Uh, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. We'll be there in a short bit. In a scene of an old western movie, a young man got shot. And the doctor got to him and the doctor went in and he pulled out the bullet and he kept the young man from bleeding to death. He saved his life. And the young man was so grateful to the doc that he said, Doc, is there anything at all that I can do for you? Thank you. Thank you for what you did for me. And the doc said, well, I need an assistant. Why don't you come to work for me and and be my assistant? I'll teach you and and tell you everything that, that you need to do. And the young man says, well, um, how long would you want me to do that? And the, I'm not saying a popular line, but, but kind of what I think is the, the most prominent statement from that episode, the doc replies, for the rest of your life, because that's how long you would have been dead if I hadn't saved you. And, and God says to you and I, for the rest of of our lives on this earth, because He has saved us, He has saved us unto something. He has saved us unto good works. And and so it's as if God is saying, yield yourselves to me for the rest of your lives to my plans that I have for you. God says, I have purposes for you. I have heavenly purposes for you upon this earth for the rest of your lives. Ephesians 2.10, very familiar verse. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know, when we really get to looking at this verse, we begin to see that that these good works were created in Christ Jesus under good works. We we begin to see that, that these good works, they're for a lifetime. They are what our lives are to be about. God's good works that He has put together and planned and made ready before we were ever ready, before we were ever saved. And after He saves us, this is what our lives are to be about. These good works, it refers to everything throughout our lives. Now, we know that a lifetime of good works could never save us, but we are saved unto a lifetime of God's good works. Works that God has made ready ahead of time for us. God is always ahead of us, and He has prepared the coming in and going out plans 
for the rest of our lives to follow. He is using the resources of His universe for every individual Christian to be a part of the works that God has planned for them. God has made us just as we are. He has put us here in the very time that we are in. I've got to preach to myself when I say there's there's no sense in complaining about the time we're living in because God has us here right now for His good works. He, he wanted us here now, and so He has us here now with a, with a divine purpose in view for our lives. And no Christian is left out of these good works. It is to be the Christian's life. No one's left out of, of these things which are to be for the rest of our lives. God's plans and God's purposes for us that He before ordained, that easily crosses over into into thinking about the providence of God. I read a definition of the providence of God this week, and it's the care God gives to all existing things. God cares for the sparrow. Don't you know that you're better than the birds? Don't you know that you're more important than the birds to God? And He cares for you and I as well. He doesn't forget the sparrow, and He surely does not forget His children. So He has lined out a life with with heavenly uh, agendas while we are here on this earth. And, And... does that put a strain on anyone? Does, as something Pastor Stone alluded to this morning, does that make us think that it's a life of no fun and no joy? I tell you what, to walk in the good works that God has saved us and left us here to walk in, that sets us free. We are free in Jesus when we are living and His good works that He has before ordained. That's the, the unsaved person is not free to do that. The unsaved person can't walk in the works of God. But the saved person can. The saved person can have the confidence that, that, that as a, a natural person, He's going to use us to do a supernatural work after He saves us. And, he, and that is setting us free. We were in bondage before coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, you see it in people's eyes that they they think of it as a bondage they would come into by trusting Christ. When it's it's in bondage in the existing situation of the sin nature, whenever we don't know Him, we're not free to do as we would for God, only as saved. And these plans of God for our lives, the rest of our lives, He had before ordained the works that we're to walk in all of our lives. Let us not liken this to a mechanical operation in, 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 a, in one sense. You know, some kind of mechanical operation or machinery one thing will lock it up and shut it down from production. And 
just maybe be done. And, you know, don't, don't think of us like that. When we don't yield to His plans, when we've had times of rebellion, when we've had a, a, a season of, of being out of the will of God and not submitting to Him, don't think that everything's locked up and shut down and you and I are done. God has saved us unto good works. Does anybody think that that's going to happen in perfection while we walk on this earth? No, no it's not. None of us are going to perfectly carry out these plans. As we think about this verse and as we consider the the life that this is of good works as His workmanship, it would be a great mistake to picture Jesus as leading an assembly line of work in a factory. Later on, I'll use that as an analogy of it in a different sense. But, but I've got something on my mind here. And that is that we wouldn't see Him that way as the factory might shut down or, or everything depends on us when we mess up. Let's not see, let's not picture Jesus as leading an assembly line in a, in a factory here, but let us see Him better and understand this more, and have greater confidence in what we're called to, what we're saved unto, by seeing Jesus as the potter, and you and I as the clay. And He is molding us. He is molding us into working the works that He has before ordained for us. He has prepared for us a work for the rest of our lives. Let us see ourselves as the clay with a, with a wonderful potter who is molding us for this. When we refuse to submit to our purpose, that, that's not good. That's out of the will of God. But, but it's happened very possibly for, for most. And let me, let me say this about what we have to do for a lifetime and, and then that moment of the clay being marred, if you will. The potter doesn't give up on the clay. The potter doesn't throw away the clay. A verse that got my attention on this, that that kind of came together with this verse in Ephesians 2 here, is Jeremiah 18.4, which says, And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So what did he do? He made it again another vessel and as seemed good to the potter to make it. Servants in God's Word, all through it that we would read about, they are marred clay. You can describe just anyone you think about as marred clay in one way or another and And the Lord didn't throw the clay away. Abraham had a purpose to fulfill. God called him and the planned good works for him was to be the father of many nations. There was no no path to Egypt that was meant to be in those plans, but Abraham took off to Egypt. Abraham fretted. And he 
lied about his wife and said his wife wasn't his wife twice. That wasn't part of it. Abraham got off track. He had a child in such a way, though God had promised him a child, he was going to help God out. And he followed along with a, with a plan uh, through natural means for that child to come about when it was supernatural means that God had in mind, but God didn't throw away the clay. Isaac, Isaac lied about his wife, but God didn't throw away the clay. How about Jacob? We're called to a life of faith, to live by faith. And Jacob was always tempted to scheme, like a, like a, like a chess game. Just like, just like chess. Just, you know, whatever move was made before him, it didn't matter if it was genuine or not for him it, so many times. He was just going to make a move to adjust to, to what has been done, to try to make the best of something for himself. He schemed instead of live, living by faith. The clay was marred. I mean, this was Abraham, Isaac, and, and, and Jacob. And he made it again another vessel when the clay was marred. When they messed up, they weren't shut down. You might look into the lives of the apostles. And when I say apostles, and I'm on this subject, someone probably comes to your mind who came to my mind, and that's Peter. He denied the Lord three times. How about James and John calling fire down, wanting to call fire down from heaven on a village? But God didn't throw away the sons of thunder. He worked in them and he molded them as the potter with the clay. I think of the apostles sitting around, and they had a conversation about who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Sound like a really spiritual conversation? Jesus wasn't impressed. He wasn't impressed with the pride. He wasn't impressed with the attitude there in that situation. And yet, though the Lord wasn't impressed and the clay was marred, and that should have never taken place, and these were failures, it didn't stop God from accomplishing His purposes through them. The vessels He made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so He made it again another vessel. And the Lord used them in a mighty way greater, greater than, than they had ever been used before in, in many cases. This is not to say that we should tempt God over and over, of course. This is not to say that we should refuse the Lord's will. And, and there's a line out there that we can cross with God. We don't know who's crossing it or, or where that line is, but there is a, a line to cross with God on that to put us in the position of, of say, Samson. Or, or think about King Saul who was taken down from the throne. We're not talking about that. But, but the step out of line the season of rebellion that mars the clay 
It's repaired by the potter. He's a restorer. The clay is restored and used for even greater things. Oh, what experience we have with God. And in spite of us, He takes us and He molds us for even greater experience and used for greater things. May, may we all understand here tonight that no one needs to be quick to say that they can never be used by God anymore. And there, there just must be someone who needs that encouragement that, that God is the potter to mold the clay and He can and He will use you again. You may, you may have been in the worst season of rebellion, but the greatest works that God may ever use you for could be just ahead of you. Peter had his failures, and he wept, and he humbled himself before God, and next thing you know, Peter's preaching before a crowd, and thousands are saved. God restores the redeemed. He restores them back to the life of good works that He has laid out. We can actually smoothly walk through these good works He's foreordained for us. One way or another, He's going to get His children doing what He has called and designed us to do. And it's going to be a rough road getting there or, or Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Or it could be a smoother road getting there. God restores His redeemed. You know, and the marred clay can be turned back to the Lord and molded by the Lord in, in a moment. On the turn of a dime, uh, i got to quit saying these old sayings because some young people don't know what I'm talking about in my dad's old sayings. But that's what I would say. On the turn of a dime, God can do amazing things in people's lives. But the truth is, sometimes it takes years. Not because of God or any of His lack of ability. You know, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to be restored. If there be someone listening in to our service or, or even someone present here tonight and there's a, there's a backslidden situation of, of, of such depth that it's obvious to you and that's you, look, look, God's, you know, you're not waiting on God. God will turn things around right now. He is in the restoring business. Some cross that Samson and Saul line but we don't know where that is or who that will be. So as we might be encouraged ourselves as clay in the potter's hand, we can also be encouraging in our prayer life, in our, in our fellowship, in our reaching out to others to encourage them. May we never give up on God's people. Because, because we're not in a lockdown assembly line and everything messes up and shuts down. We are clay in the potter's hands. God is in the restoration business. When there is rebellion, He can restore. 
God uses His Word to restore. He may use our suffering to restore. He uses discipline to restore. In God's love, He restores His people. May we never give up on those who are out of fellowship with God. Because, look, being created in Christ Jesus on two good works. This is God, Almighty God's lifelong plan for all of His children. And He can carry it out. And, and He's a good Father. He's a wise Father. He's a perfect Father. And He knows how to deal with His children and get us where He wants us to be. So when the life doesn't show what the entire life is to all be about. Don't throw away the clay. That's encouraging to ourselves in our own lives. That's, that, that's, that's when we're in that moment of conviction that we just don't sit and stay in this season of, of stewing in our shame and, and we'll never think we can never come back to the things of God. That's enough to lift us up. That's enough for us to... Lift up others, whether it be in person or, or, or in prayer. I made a statement a while back, and, and I thought about using the next service, like during the announcements, to give a little sermonette and expound on that statement. I believe it needs expounding. The, the statement is, you have to love some people from a distance. And so uh, I started preparing an entire sermon on that. And then I was, well, no, that's not how I'm going to. And I didn't know how I was going to bring it up. And then all of a sudden, as, as we find ourselves here, I, I want to interject an opportunity to, to expound on that statement. Some people could probably digest it and and put it in the places it belongs in. But, but there, maybe there were some that just can't absorb that statement alone. And I don't blame you if you can't. Uh, you have to love some people from a distance. What? I, I might say that to that statement, and that's a statement that I made. I didn't have time to expound in the message at the time. But it fits some of the details here of not giving up on the marred clay. We never stop loving or hoping for the best for anyone. But sometimes it's out of our hands in the sense of it has to be from a distance that this happens. You know, we're to rub shoulders with the unsaved of this world. We're to be out there telling people about Jesus Christ so they can be saved. But, you know, think about when we're thinking about loving somebody from a distance and you know, you think about Jesus with the rich young ruler and, and the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he wanted to know how to, how to inherit heaven and go to heaven and, and, and he really had his own way that he wanted. He wanted to do it his way. And Jesus wasn't compromising the truth. And it says that the rich young ruler went away sorrowful. And we don't want to add to the Bible, but what is obvious there? Jesus let him go. And so what did he do with the rich young ruler? He loved him. He loved him from a distance. Never gave up hope on him. 
You know, you know, if we made that scenario with just regular people involved, and I said, man, they, they walked away sorrowful, and guess what? That Christian just let them go. Somebody might say, that, that's not love. What's wrong with that Christian? But that's what Jesus did. And He loved him from a distance. You know, you know the Lord never gave up hope on him. Jesus loved him, but because of the rich young ruler's decision, Jesus loved him from a distance and he hoped from afar. How you, what do you mean love from a distance? Well, well, what about Demas? You find Demas in the Bible three times. And, and from Paul's writings that, that God used him for, you can sense what Paul was knowing about Demas. Because the first time Demas is mentioned by Paul, man, he's a fellow laborer in the Lord. There's accolades by the name of Demas. He is serving the Lord with Paul, fellow soldier with the Lord. And then the next time he's mentioned is just Demas. And the last time Demas is mentioned, well, Demas fell in love with this world. And he went to it. And when we, you know... That's all we hear. We don't hear of any of the Christians' responses to Demas. He was just gone. And, and Paul even gave the clear testimony of Demas. Paul said, He hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. I guess if we put everyday characters in that, in that scenario, somebody would say that maybe that's not love, but, but we would never doubt Paul's love for any Christian. But because of the choices of Demas, Paul obviously had to love him from a distance. I, I have a friend, and, and right before I was saved, he, he started backsliding deep in, into, into some sins. And... And, and he wouldn't talk about his pride wouldn't let him talk about it. And my heart broke because it was, he was, he's my good friend. And I remember we were actually over in the other building that, that, we, that the church used to be in. And I remember going forward and praying, kneeling down and praying for him. You know, his decisions brought distance between us. And, and it broke my heart. Love my friend, but that distance was there. Went to the altar and prayed, went to, came down front and kneeled down and prayed. I remember even walking up to Pastor Stone at the invitation and, and him kind of grabbing my shoulder and, and me mentioning my friend, mentioning his name and his situation and, and Pastor praying. It was, it was more than once, it was a couple of times and there at the invitation, and it was a, a lot of prayer that, that took place for my friend where, where the distance had been put between. I, I never gave up on him. Never gave up on him. I'd, I'd like to say I was his biggest fan for him coming back in the will of God. You know, rooting for him, praying for him, loving him. But it was from a distance because of his decisions. That was, that was 17 years ago I used to be kneeling down in front for my friend. 
And 15 years passed by, and I didn't hear of any, dis- any, any difference, but kept praying for him. And, and all of a sudden, he reached out to me about two years ago. And he wanted me to know that, that the Lord got his attention and strengthened him, and, he, and he, tur- he was able to turn from those ongoing habitual sins that were going on in his life. And, and he apologized to me for me being a, a babe in Christ, a young Christian, and, and not being a good example for me as I was trying to grow in the Lord. And he understands why what separated us. It was, it was the choices that he was making in his life that caused that separation. And then he told me all that the Lord had been using his life for for about a year. He, he took about a year before he reached out. And he had been solidly serving the Lord in newness for, for about a year. The clay gets marred. And, and I don't know how long some people are going to delay God on it. But as we understand that He's the potter and we're the clay and He doesn't throw the clay away. Whatever the situation, however the situation presents itself with any of God's people, don't give up on them. If you have to love them from a distance, look, God is very present. And you are, you are praying and talking to the one who can change the one you love. He doesn't throw the clay away. No matter, no matter what trespasses come on, he wants, to, he wants to change us. The vessel that He made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make it. Thank God for His will and His love for our lives and to bring us back into the things of God. It's it's just downright unbiblical to give up on God's people. It is denying God's power to ever lose hope for anyone. I'm thankful to say that that I don't believe I've ever said, oh, so-and-so won't be saved. I had help with that, though. After I got saved, I heard someone say that. I heard someone say, oh, them, yeah, they'll never be saved. And I thought, that just doesn't sound right. While there is life, there is hope, it says in the book of Ecclesiastes. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Don't give up hope on that unsaved soul. Don't give up hope on that on that child of God that's out of the will of God and they made their choices out of the will of God and they put that distance between you, but you can love them from a distance. And, 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 and after, after 15 years, God brought my friend around. Let's not deny God's power to change your life. God has before ordained work for, for those... For those who trespass and mar the clay, 
Also, for those who go through tragedy, think about the tough things that we go through. And we need to stop and consider this lifetime of good works that God has planned for us. How about Joseph? How about Joseph and what he went through with his brothers? And he was thrown in that well, and they thought about killing him and sold him into slavery and, and took his coat and dipped it in blood and took it back to his dad and said he's gone, and, and there he is, and he's off in Egypt now, sold into slavery. We have been saved unto good works. Look at what Joseph was going through. But look at what God foreordained. Look at what, what God had planned for the marred clay, his brothers and his dad. Brought, brought them over, brought them out of the famine, and, and continued to build a mighty nation. How about the timing of Moses coming along when baby boys were being killed? Think about his mama during that time. What, what, how tragic was that to her? But God brought him along, saved him, created him on two good works at just the time that God would have him prepared to deliver Israel from bondage. And, and also to be preparing Joshua to take them over to victory in the promised land. You with me with, 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 these, with these four ordained works that God has saved us unto? He has saved us unto good works. God, God foreordained a work for Samuel. He was... When was he given to the barren Hannah? She prayed and she prayed and, and God gave her a child at the time where God would use him to bring, the, to bring Israel back from their waywardness. Look, these things, all these things did not accidentally come together. It was the plan of God through all of these things. And the timing, the tragedies, the restoration from our trespasses. This, is, this isn't done in our own will. This, this, is not, this is not by accident that these things happen. So as we look at this tonight, we can, we can have confidence in the restoration of a Christian's life from a season of rebellion. When the clay is marred, Look, put them in the hand of the potter. Pray for God to have His will in their lives and never give up. When We can have courage when the attack comes upon our lives. We're not thrown, uh, we're not thrown in the lion's den like Daniel today. In one sense, but in another sense we can be. Remember God's plan. We are saved unto good works. That's, that's going to be the theme of our lives in God's strength and God's will, turning our eyes upon Jesus. We are saved unto good works. When the call is to a tough work with important decisions to make, just like Esther Hey, it's for such a time as this 
that we're here. It's a work that God has foreordained for our lives. May we remember that the good works we are created in Christ Jesus unto are for a lifetime. When the clay gets marred, He makes us over. You know, a reaction from our lives to the Lord Jesus should always be one of humility. We should always humble ourselves before the one who never gives up on us. Man, I remember telling a friend about Jesus. I felt like I was the worst witness for Jesus Christ ever. Because the first time I told my friend about Jesus, he, he looked like a deer in the headlights. It went on for two years. And you know, I don't know the way people think about things or dissect, dissect things down in their minds or, you know, different people's minds work. He thought, he thought hell was just some big party. And he, did, he didn't, I man, I, I told him about Christ, I told him about the cross, told him about our sins, told him what he did for our sins. And, and we talked about, I talked about his name, which is a biblical name, and what his name means, and, and we went through it all, but I didn't tell him about hell. And, and the solitude and the torture of what hell is really like. And, but, but, after, but after two years, he was saved. Praise the Lord. Don't give up. Don't give up. The marred clay, Jesus wants to put you in his hand and make you over again. Aren't you glad he's the God of second, third, and fourth chances? And he's not willing that any should perish. Maybe, maybe tonight there's someone here and, and, and who this Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is as the potter, it's, it's humbling you tonight. And, and you realize you're a sinner and you can't do it on your own. That there's no way to achieve the perfection that God requires. But as we understand that God does require perfection for acceptance, He gave His own Son. And His own Son satisfied the perfection of God for you and I. Your life tonight, picture it written down on a piece of paper and, and trying to present it before God. It's, it's not going to work. But think about the life of Jesus Christ written down. But you get to put your name at the top of that. And present yourself to God in Jesus Christ. He is the gift of eternal life. And if there's anyone here tonight who does not know the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, would you place your trust in Him? Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me from my sins. A child, that happened to a child this morning. It happened to me as an adult. People get saved at all ages. Is there, one, is there one here tonight who does not know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? Would you be saved tonight? Would you know the Lord Jesus as your Savior? And I tell you what, 
you are set free. You're set free from your penalty of sin. There's no way you could have it back. And you're set free to a life of good works. That's the most joyful life that you could ever have. No amount of money could buy the joy of a life that Jesus gives in His good works. When you trust Him, you're set, you're set free to be able to do that. Set free from your sins and set free to the life He's called you to. Let us bow and let us pray as, as God might work in the lives of His people or maybe one here today who is lost. May you be saved tonight. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we, we bow in our hearts before your presence tonight. Lord, this is your house, and we have shared your word tonight. I thank you for, for your truth. I thank you for the hope that we have. I thank you for the plans that you had made for us before we were ever saved. Lord, and, and to draw us that we were able to make that decision by faith to trust in Jesus Christ and to be saved from our sins. And then, Lord, for our lives to change the good works that you saved us unto. Lord, we, we thank you for the privilege and the opportunity to be set free in life, to be able to serve you, and that we've been rid of the bondage of sin. The, the power of sin is fading from our lives the more we look to you and obey you and serve you. And we love you for this tonight. We love you and thank you that you're always drawing the lost that they might be saved. And if there be one here tonight who's convicted in their heart, Lord, we thank you for that first step that they might make. That, that you just be moving in them to confess the Lord Jesus as their Savior, publicly before all, Lord. Or it may be quietly in their pew. Whatever the case, Lord, may we obey you tonight. May we obey you right now in a time of invitation after your word, Lord. We thank you for being the potter and making us the clay and fixing the marred clay, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If everyone